Meet Flint, career police officer and jiu-jitsu black belt. Also with us are his wife and two-year-old son who you will hear raising adorable amounts of hell in the background. Today, Flint discusses the paradoxical and profound nature of his transformation from the person he had been perceived to be into the person he had always been. Flint also discusses the adversity he encountered while working on the police force, as well as a step-by-step accounting of his transformation from a female body into a male one. Next, if you would like to join my Patreon, the link is in the program notes. There's lots of benefits. Every once in a while, I hold a Q&A. You may have seen them. And if you become a member, you will be able to submit questions and have them answered on air. How exciting is that? In addition, you will receive handy PDFs full of fabulous content. And lastly, you will also receive super secret, heretofore unheard material that I alone recorded in the dead of night that will be delivered to you in the case of, no, I mean, I don't even know what it'll be yet, but it'll be awesome. Listen to it. It's great. At any rate, thank you for listening. My name is Benjamin Russick, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is my podcast. Look, just tell me what to do. I am here with the fabulous Flint. How are you? Fine. <laughs> Not sure fabulous was part of it, but no. Well, oh, oh, well, you. I'm here with Flint. I, I say that to everybody. Uh, also present is Finley. Finley. He is almost two. Oh, he's cutie. He's crawling all over my couch. You're a cutie. Do you know that? Do you know you're cute? And my wonderful wife, Rose. Hi. Finley, say hello. Yeah, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) So, Flint, how do we know each other? We've been doing jujitsu now for quite a while. I can't even think how long. Well, you've been a black belt since before I was doing jujitsu, right? Um, When did you start doing jujitsu? 1998. And I think I got my black belt in um, 2006. Jesus Christ. It's been a long time. 2006 is when I started jujitsu. I was joking, but that's real. You've been doing it for like 25 years and I got my black belt in eight years. That's how'd you get so fast? I'm not sure. I think I just trained a lot and I was competing, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting subject at this point. Why is that? At the time when I started jujitsu, presenting, being perceived by the world as female. Oh, I see. And as I started to compete, it was prior to transition. Yeah. And then when I started to do the slow process of transition, because it's not like just flipping a light switch, it's a slow process that at some point my being in competition the way i was presenting mm-hmm. was kind of causing some some waves some waves what what, what uh, kind of waves well i never presented even though in a female body very feminine right so even before i started my transition there was lots of brazilian jiu-jitsu competitions there aren't a lot of women people that present as female that looked like me right. super masculine presenting even in competition, I would be questioned. <laughs> oh, really? What are you doing here? A lot of the refs, you know, coming from Brazil or oh, being interesting. kind of that culture, very binary well, culture. Yeah, like, who's yeah. this? Who's this dude? You know? And I'm like, I wait a minute. I'm I'm not a dude, even though I was <laughs> right. Right. But then, as I started with my physical transformation, it became much more obvious mm-hmm. that this person maybe didn't fit. Right. in the female competition that's so interesting because there's so much hullabaloo now about people transitioning and going into a sport but you it the in the original incarnation of you it was kind of i don't want to say unfair but odd like it, yeah it like they fit. were like who are you you yeah you you don't really have a place here and then when i did start to transition i don't know i mean definitely there are physical differences with hormones mm-hmm. strength levels uh-huh. and so my last competition which actually i got my ass handed to me in the abu dhabi finals 
by Hannette Stack, who is a complete stud, and she destroyed me. <laughs> and that was my last competition. Not right. because I was destroyed, but it was just, it was time. Although I did compete, and Health can tell me this is true or not, one of the reasons he gave me my black belt a little bit when he did was I entered a competition in a female category, and there was no one there. Uh-huh. This was at Kizar Stadium. The only available competition was the men's category in a weight above. And Health came up to me and said, Popo, those of you who don't know him, my, everybody calls me Popo. So you were a police officer back then? Yeah, I've been a cop since 95. He said, Popo, I want you to compete with the men. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh man, well, first of all, okay, that's scary, but also they're bigger than me. And I'm not, it's not even my weight class, dude. Right. This is probably like 20 pounds heavier than me. 20 pounds? He looked me square in the eyes and said, I don't care if you win. Just want you to do it and then in that moment i found some real strength and i did it and i fucking won wow i didn't won. win the whole thing but i won my first match and everybody was freaking the fuck out and so this was before your transition yeah and i and health to this day talks about that and talks about how he really respected me for that just facing like david and goliath kind of situation right health's an interesting guy isn't he sure it? is he's like he's like super <laughs> He's super progressive in ways you'd never you'd never yeah. expect. Yeah, you, you, really definitely. Minded, even though he's this hardcore. It's okay if he makes noise. I, I really don't. I oh. think it's awesome. Um, <laughs> he, for those of you, for those of you listening, uh, Finley has a looks like a My Little Pony and some Legos and a couple of my uh, large cubes that I keep on my desk for nervous patients to pick up and twirl. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that right, Finley? You're cutie. Yes. Anyway, was that event like a seminal event in terms of your desire to move forward with your transition or was that not? Um, no, I don't, I'm not sure that it was. Okay. I think it was an opportunity for me to kind of face just in, in life generally a seemingly over, overwhelming, yeah. perceived overwhelming and to, to, to succeed just because I, yeah. let, you know. You know, what's interesting is I had no idea that you were trans the first, I think, couple of years. Really? I had no clue. Nobody told me. I, I just didn't think about it. You yeah. were destroying me. You were you were choking me a lot and uh, I resented you for it. You're, <laughs> right. You would just crush my half guard and pass huh. and choke me. And then Mikio mentioned it and I'm like, yeah. what? Really? How was that for you? How, um, Being socialized in our, in our society. It was an education in my own perceptions about what male and female is for mm -hmm. sure, because there's nothing about you energetically that strikes me as female. There's nothing about you. Um, and it's not just the way you look, it's your presentation. Also, I've worked with patients in the past who are not fully transitioned. The energy that they walk in the room with is unlike anything I've ever felt. Yeah. And so you were before that. And it kind of prepared me for that a little bit, I think. Yeah. Like it was a little disorienting and a little bit, I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 there's so much conflicting information in my brain because like chromosomes are chromosomes are chromosomes. Yet science is a me measure of what we don't know really. Right? right. We know this much and there's, these are the edges and maybe gender is not all about the freaking chromosomes, you know, like maybe it's not. Yeah, and actually, as I've educated myself more, actually, chromosomal differences are not as simple as XX and XY from okay. what I've read. And I don't know what my chromosomes are. And I, it being trans or whatever is not a, you know, a cookie cutter situation. But, hey, um, there's a lot of science behind it that isn't, that isn't really out there. I know that 
from before I knew what chromosomes were. And I was probably his age or well, maybe a little bit older or whenever we as humans kind of discover the differences mm. yeah. or that there is a difference. Right. Um, I knew at that point and mm. expressed it yeah. to my mom. You were, so you were two years, three years old? Well, I, I think one of my first, every photo I have mm -hmm. pretty much of when I was a child um, that I'm in a dress, <laughs> the Sears photo, mm -hmm. right? I'm puffy eyed and crying. Oh. And it wasn't, I don't know that I had a bad childhood at that point. My mom said it was hell to get me into a dress. Now, I don't know where that exactly came from, whether mm -hmm. there were other influences or what I wanted to be or not. But mm -hmm. I remember distinctly about four walking up to my mom as she was in a group of women and saying, you know, when am I going to get my penis? I didn't really? know the word for it, but that was it. And and she laughed nervously. I mean, she was... What, what did you literally say? You really said literally? I, I really said that, yeah. When's it going to come out? or when's Well, it gonna... when, when am I going to get it? Fascinating. Because the other people I was ringing around with were boys. So you felt that there was something missing. There was something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And the other, you know, moms laughed and said never. And it was, ha, 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 that's so funny. Yeah, you know? real funny. And I'm sure it was. And, and this was 1973, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Right? I was born in 1969. So, um, and I, I remember also feeling, I don't know, my memory is feeling very devastated. Say more. Yeah, just helpless. Mm -hmm. I once heard about a trans male to female, how when she looked in the mirror, it was a horror show. Like waking up was a night, looking in the mirror was a nightmare. Yeah, and it is the perception of you, and I'm sure lots of humans have this in mm -hmm. di for different ways, but mm -hmm. I feel like your gender is so core to your existence on the planet as mm -hmm. a human mm -hmm. it's so in, important yeah. that you see yourself in your mind a certain way right and the mirror betrays you yeah and then especially as you get older and your body changes based on hormones it's a huge betrayal right a devastating betrayal i'm speaking from my own experience right oh God, this is horrible. And feeling just so disconnected from the rest of the world. Like I said, I, everybody's experience is not the same. Different right. people have. Our society is really, you know, fat phobic and yeah. all of these things. Sure. So like if you're a larger kid or you're not as athletic or you don't have all these things, sure, there's ways that you can feel not a part of the greater society or on the outskirts or the hierarchies of who's better and who's not. But yeah. I would say as a trans person, my experience was feeling not only couldn't find my place, but that there was no place. Yeah. There yeah. was not even a place to find. I'm going to interrupt for one second. As a trans person who was born in the 60s, and your mom was a teenage mom, and there was no internet. So it was a moment in time where the resources were not available to her, literally. When the internet was invented in 1999, and, and as we see, like things have changed, parents now can be like oh my god my two-year-old girl whatever quote unquote just ask for their penis and they're gonna get parents of transgender kids on facebook they're gonna get linked to the trevor project they're gonna get linked hopefully to rupaul's drag race like <laughs> there's gonna be things and resources available to them so i just i felt like that's something that maybe is a context for people listening you know yeah for sure because my mom was a teenage mom divorced from my dad when I was three and on her own and trying to do her best. Which was 1970. Yeah, and all carrying all of her own personal trauma. How many Steve siblings? I, I have from my mom and my dad, just me. 
my mom was remarried, had a boy, okay. my brother, and then my dad remarried and had two girls. Jeez. So how did that affect your social life in, as a, like a teenager and all that? Well, like, is that the wrong question? <laughs> well, I mean, this was Wisconsin, yeah. rural Wisconsin. Oh, Jesus Christ. 1970s. You know, just quickly, what I'm thinking of is my mom and my stepdad recently took a quick, I don't know what the hell they were doing, but came across the country in a car. So she brought out some of my old things from my early childhood. And of course, she had all my report cards. Oh. <laughs> right? It was like, you know, my previous name, you know, really good in academics, but really suffering socially. And the teachers were super concerned. I was, you know, there was no place. Yeah. There was no, I didn't know where I fit. There was no point of reference. Yeah. Even though my earliest memories, knowing that my body was not matching the way I saw myself, that ends up kind of fading into the background over time. Then as I progressed into teenage years and something completely separate from my gender identity, my sexuality, where I'm attracted to girls, everybody thought, you're a dyke. Right. You're a lesbian, right? Which to this day still makes me cringe. Why is that? Because I, I, I'm not. Right. There was a period of time when I did move out to San Francisco where there was lots of gay pride and, and I'm still part of that community, but there was something wrong. It was just, it didn't jive. Like I was glad I found community. I was mm -hmm. glad I felt like I saw other people that looked like me, but I just knew deep down and I couldn't put my finger on it that that wasn't actually me. To your wife's point, it's like you didn't have the resources right. to even know what the frick was going on. Yeah. And how do you find other people who feel that way? Because no one's talking about it. There's no community. Right, There's exactly. There's no means to find each other. So this was in late 90s, which is kind of when it all started. How did you feel in your body, like on a visceral level? Disgusted. Talk about that. Yeah, I think straight up the sex organs, the breasts, not only that, but the hormonal differences between men and women. I think, you know, women that are... <laughs> You know, that have female hormones, their bodies are softer. There's fat that collects in different places. Yeah. Um, no matter how hard you work out, like the toughest, strongest woman is very strong and tough, but she has to work a lot harder to get to that yeah. versus somebody who's just some random dude who's got testosterone who can right. work out a little. And How do you feel now? I feel pretty good. I mean, I'm turned 53. Okay. So I feel old, but I feel... Like when I first started taking hormones in 2003, I remember the exact day that it came in the mail and I gave myself a shot in the butt and it was like <laughs> at home. I mean, without sounding corny, I, just complete tears of joy, really? relief, like a weight had been lifted off of me that I had been carrying for 35 years Wow. And was it hard to get to get prescribed that? Like were the doctors open yeah. to what you... Well, just briefly, let me just back up quickly. Um... When I finally knew, when I finally had that visual of a person, it was a firefighter who I knew had presented as female. Mm -hmm. I'm in, you know, in the police department and the firefighter, I had recognized him before he transitioned and I'd seen him around. And then at one point I saw him on a call on third street mm -hmm. and I recognized him. And I saw the physical changes that had occurred over however long he had been on hormones. Uh -huh. And that was the defining moment for me. That wow. was the no turning back moment because did, that was like, yes. Did you go talk to this person? I, of course not. I was too scared. You oh, know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you know where this person is now? I don't actually know his name. Okay. I don't. That is so, I've never, there must be a lot of 
quote unquote dykes yes. who are like, no, yeah, I'm not, this isn't right. And there's a, there's a big rift in, you know, and I think a lot of the lesbian community where it seems like a lot of butch lesbians uh-huh. actually who are women, right. who have a valid place in the world as butch women in their gender expression is more masculine. Sure. They identify as women. Yeah. They're valuable. They have a valuable place that a lot of us trans people who kind of by default were lesbians and have transitioned to men, I think that a lot of lesbians, it's almost like we betrayed them. Fascinating. Right? Because they don't want to be men. I just want to interject and say these are really generational things that you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about being 53. Like people who might have been labeled a dyke generationally for somebody who's 70 or 90, transition wasn't available. There was no medical care. It was still seen as a mental illness in the DSM. The internet didn't exist. So a lot of people for many generations had to live with what they were assigned at birth. And so I think there's just so many feelings in so many people. And it does come off a little bit as sandpapery, but within queer community, like in my generation. And Rose is like 10 years younger than me. Okay. Yeah, but I'm old too. I'm 42. <laughs> like I played with wooden toys as a kid. Like, I just think there's generational stuff. Cause like, for example, like, when we go to your doctor's office, they'll be like 17, 18, 19 year olds with their parents who are getting surgeries that like didn't yeah. even exist when you were right. that age, literally. So these are just generational things. And I feel like for people listening who aren't queer, who are straight, who are allies, who are wherever they are in their journey, I just want to put some context. I think that is important. I think that was my a lot of my experience with kind of like the old guard, you know, lesbians at work. There was a lot of resentment I felt toward me because I didn't fit with them either. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and there was there's only a few of us at work. Um, actually, could could you maybe those are pretty loud, like any toy but that one. Love. <laughs> no, no, it's OK. Just those, he's going to lose it. If you say no, if you say no, he's going to lose it. Yeah, on the floor is much better. It's a okay, million times cool. better. Thank you. Um, so you, you got the shot, and then what was the next step? So that was actually prior to that. My oldest child just turned 23 yesterday. That's right. So Devin, seen. yeah, Devin. Uh, and interestingly enough, Devin has come out as non-binary. Okay. So yeah, they've they've kind of come out as non-binary, and I think a lot of actually Devin's generation is exploring that. So for those of you who don't know, non-binary means go by they them doesn't really identify as. I mean, I think Devin identifies more as she, but their gender expression is a little more masculine, mm -hmm. and they are in a relationship with a woman. Okay. So they are also non-binary. Okay, so they both are. they're they both non-binary. Yes. Okay. So when I was with Devin's mom, because I had started that relationship presenting as. As female mm -hmm. and I you know knew and I think actually even the birth of Devin and the incredible experience of being a parent really put life into perspective for me in a different way than it never had and it was I honestly think one of the inspirations in me moving forward into my truth so that was Devin was born in 2000 and prior to starting hormones I actually had top surgery which is the double mastectomy reconstruction of my chest that was so amazing I mean talk about I woke up from that with literal weight off my chest. Yeah, right. And then, you know, I was in a relationship with someone who wasn't ready for my transition and was less than supportive. 
in a really mean ways. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So I was told, well, this is going to be okay, but you can't do hormones. You can get your breasts. You can removed, get the boobs taken off, but, but you, you can't, can't do, do hormones. I don't understand. Then, that's weird. Well, you can hide boobs behind a, a sweatshirt. Okay. You know, right, you right, can, right. but you can't hide facial hair and you can't hide all of the changes, the physical changes that happen with hormones. Right. And at some point I, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I won't need that, but I definitely did. Right. Let's talk a little bit about your reception in the jiu-jitsu community. Yeah, so I'm just thinking back. My initial start with jiu-jitsu ended up, was actually with Carly Gracie on, he was on Broadway uh -huh. by the strip row, <laughs> strip clubs. Okay. And this was back in 1998, you know, and, and, and when I went there, I was definitely presenting as very masculine. I certainly hadn't started my transition yet, but I do remember Carly's wife kind of giving me a side eye, like she thought I was a guy. Oh, really? And I was asking about women's classes. Uh, <laughs> so she's like, who's this creep? Right. And after Carly's school kind of took a tank, I was looking for another place and found house. And the first person I saw walking in was Kurt. Right? <laughs> Kurt Osiander. Kurt Osiander. The amazing and, Kurt Osiander. Um, as rough as around the edges as he presents. He's a softy. He welcomed me. To me, I found that my acceptance there was contingent upon my willingness to train hard. Yeah. And that I could control. Yeah, that's right? nice. So over being trans honestly is a bit of a salacious bit of information yeah you know sure and especially in a situation where you're being physical with each other yeah and it can break down all of these preconceived notions about well that doesn't make sense to me that kind of rocks the bedrock of right you know Everything there's there's believe. truth on the mat yeah right. truth on the there's mat. truth you, there's no hiding you you can act all you want but yeah. the truth comes out i mean we know what that means i mean you can say act all you want about how good you are or not good you are but when it comes down to it there's no lying about it right it and is what like it is if someone has a problem like uh with your your gender and you proceed to smash them what do they have to say well, yeah, there's been times where I've tried to, I don't even know, like, I don't know that I purposely try to smash people. Well, I support it. <laughs> right, thanks, thanks. <laughs> there have been very few and far between times that I've really felt like somebody was trying to hurt me. Yeah. Do you have any specific anecdotes about your reception as you transitioned? You know, I, I remember Kurt recognizing along the way that my changes in my body, because he would use me for his dummy for oh. demonstrating drilling. Oh, how sweet of him. And he would, uh, yeah. He knew when when I, my boobs were gone. Right. He recognized that. Uh -huh. He didn't say anything. Yeah. But you can't avoid it when you're touching someone's chest. Which happens a lot in jujitsu. Yeah. You touch everything. Uh, yes. Everywhere, and, all the time. And I think for if you were assigned male at birth and you grew up in our society, you have the option to remove your shirt in public. You know, you probably don't think much about it unless you're like, oh, I don't feel like I want to take my shirt off or, but it's an option. And for me, that was never an option. And so I remember different moments where I dared to take my shirt off on the mat and then just kind of like, fuck it. Like, I don't care. I'm going to jog around this damn mat without a shirt on. And anybody who says anything about it, it was just kind of a really a place for me to feel free. It sounds like it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. There was a couple times where some different people, I'm hypersensitive to somebody coming in and noticing someone telling someone else that I'm trans. Uh, yeah. And then they both get real close and talk and look at me. Oh, Christ. You know, and it, it, those have, times have made me self-conscious. Yeah. But I also realize, as I've grown more confident in myself, it doesn't bother well, me Well, you're so also much. educating people. 
yeah you know jujitsu guys some of them are the saltiest people in the world and sure. it's like there's a truth there they say the truth is on the mat yeah and you're delivering a truth to them that is not fitting in their structure it doesn't fit especially and, and i'm making generalizations but i think a lot of the the guys from brazil or right. that are coming to visit and they're coming from a culture that is different and so i don't fit in there anywhere yeah. You know, I won't mention a name. There was a party recently down at this Anchor Steam sure. party. We always go there. And I was working. I was working on duty and I happened to roll by because someone was like, just roll by. And sure enough, one of the higher ups at our academy was there. And I jumped out and I was like, hey. And he was like, oh, Popo, what's up? And we hugged. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I can't stop in, but I just want to see if you guys. And he was walking with another Brazilian guy. Uh-huh. And as I drove away, I looked in the mirror. And I could see him telling the other guy that I was trans. That's amazing that you can see well, that. that, that I, it's because the guy who had seen me as a male police officer, right? whatever that means, whatever level of dignity or respect comes from that. Yeah. He stopped dead in his tracks, was flabbergasted, flipped around, pointed <laughs> at me and looked and was like, motherfucker, I can't believe... Like, I could see really? his... Yes. Oh, God. And I thought, I get that the person that told him may have said it they're trying to get a charge out of the situation that they're, sure. they're, they're saying like look what look i have this info i have this look i have this info like fuck you man <laughs> but at the same time like i couldn't just be a person who was judged on my character my yeah. my this or that i suddenly became objectified into something that is potentially even worthy of violence yeah yeah that could i mean i'm somewhere. lucky i'm not six feet tall but i'm not five two i present as male in the world mm -hmm. and i can walk through the world with a level of safety yeah that probably 90 percent of other trans people cannot especially trans women and trans women of color yeah yeah i mean i don't want to be a statistic machine yeah. here but this is a pause moment the life expectancy of a trans woman of color in the United States mm -hmm. is 35 years old. Really? Is it because of all the suicides? It's because of violence. Violence. It could be because of perpetual lack of access to housing and um, employment and healthcare, trauma. 35. 35. Wow. And that is staggering. And I feel very lucky to be able to have the advantages that I do and the decisions I made early in life to join the military and get in the police department have really served me well and have allowed me to have a level of financial freedom that yeah. a lot of other people don't, you know, I feel very lucky for that. So when I was a white belt, there was a, a male that was transitioning to female. It was 2006, 2007. I remember distinctly having conversations and watching his transformation happen over yeah. a period of months and the, the hair on his face. Yeah, I don't know started. that that would go over so well with helps, at house. What would not? A trans woman <laughs> participating in class, or God forbid. So you're saying that you think a man transitioning to a woman would not go over as well as a woman transitioning Absolutely to a woman? Absolutely not. Can you, that's really, I did not expect you to say that. I think that there's a, okay, that there's a level of allowance. For, and for me, based off of, I think just because I do participate and I do train a lot and I'm a black belt and yeah. I have a level of respect over time. Right. Um, but you don't think a, a woman to a man to a woman would get the same respect for that? It's those same things? I think it depends who it would be. Is it like an archetypal thing? Like you are in, in their eyes perhaps toughening up whereas yeah. seeing a man emasculate himself yeah. in, their, in their heads might be like, what are you doing to your... Why are you, why are you well, I mean, it? let's just start that with the basic understanding that our society views men on a higher level than women. Sure. 
And I can speak to that not from something I read about in a book. Right. It's my lived experience. Sure. If you mind if I just talk about that really quickly. Absolutely. Talk about so what you want. So I was walking through the world. I've, and I was talking to my mom about this, about how frustrated I was that now in the world, I'm actually the level of respect and basic human dignity that is afforded to me in public yeah. is amazing and should be offered to everyone. Yeah. But I also realize it's because I'm perceived as potentially a white straight male by yeah. the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Because I experienced something. I, I used to be really a big fat guy. Uh-huh. And um, the difference in how I was being treated when I was thin was unbelievable. Yeah. And the thing is, is that it's not just women. It's everybody. You yes. get better directions on the street. You get more eye contact. People smile at you more. Yeah. You saw all that stuff too? I mean, women t or people come up to me and assume that I know assume that i am the authority uh -huh. assume that i am to be trusted and this is not even when you're in your police oh no no this is me with my tattoos at the gas station right guys give me the the dude nod right right the dude nod the yeah. uh guys want to be it seems like respected by and included in other men's company like and when other men started perceiving me as male mm -hmm. and women perceived me as male i was just com treated completely differently and i and i i hear what you're saying about being perceived as invisible being overweight yeah. or all of the stuff that our society says if you're overweight yeah. that that's what you are you don't have value is it especially difficult for um, trans folks who are kind of in the middle of their transition or i think so i mean talk about having no place before i came over today i was thinking about and it's something you had written in your email to me about the human experience and what it actually is versus what we've been kind of all conditioned to believe that it is. I think that queer people, trans people fly in the face of that. And by so doing, they actually get closer to the human experience. Exactly. And that is terrifying to people who live in a binary world, whether it be sexuality and or gender, because mm -hmm. it rocks the bedrock foundation of your very existence. Yeah. We've set up these arbitrary, it seems like, rules mm -hmm. that don't jive. Right. I used to feel like a level of envy or to people who were assigned a certain sex at birth, fell into that gender expression that was comfortable to them. But I'm not sure that that's the true human experience and that that's where our creative juices flow, you know, and the limits of what we can achieve as humans or experience. And I honestly think that queer people are a big threat to a lot of people who aren't queer because they're living a level of truth that deep down, I think other humans want to experience. Right. And it's really threatening because it's, or they think it's threatening. I mean, I... I'm at work when I, I'm on the computer in between work and I'm looking at the news articles. Every other news article, like in the past few months, has been anti-trans bill, anti... It's weird. It's very strange and I've become a real the other. Like, it's like, look over there, everybody. They're the problem. I think the conservative position can be summed up for me as rigidity. It's like a princess in the pea thing. You know, when she's, yeah. you can, if they feel a pea under the mattress, just a tiny thing, it disrupts their entire, the entire fabric right. of, of their reality and they can't stand it. So they blow it up and they make it into this huge thing. So most of the time, for instance, like I don't, I don't honestly know how I feel, for example, about if a male who's transitioned to a female and is a sport and is dominating right. their sport, I can definitely see why people see, see that as unfair, but who gives a fuck? It's one person out of like 20 million. Like who cares? Why is it such a big deal? Why, why, is it are, you such making, a big why deal? are you making such a big deal issue out of this? I do not care. 
about it. Let that person do their thing. Oh, it's messing up the sport. Like, and, and, and since when did a sport become so important? <laughs> right. You know, like I didn't have the benefit of testosterone in my puberty. I got it when I was 35 or 33 years old. My body has certainly changed, but I'm not as big. My tendons aren't as strong. My, all of these things, you know? And so I get that there are different advantages, but if you look at the spectrum of male athletes in and of themselves there's a huge spectrum yeah right that's true too so i mean there's guys at jujitsu i think man how did you get to look like that and then they didn't even try you yeah. know and then there's other guys that tried really hard because or they're on supplements yeah. so i think it's a real easy to simplify and say you're a man doing a woman's sport and i don't think it's quite that simple but what do you think of i mean politically I kind of feel like the Democratic Party has kind of made a mistake by making this such a big issue because the conservatives are, it's sort of feeding into their insanity. And you say the Democrats making an issue of? Of trans rights. I'm not saying that yeah. trans rights aren't important. Right. I think they're just as important as everything. It's like they're pumping it up. Right. And I feel like the Republican Party is like, see, see how crazy yeah, they are? See how crazy they are. And the paradox is, is that I believe in trans rights. Absolutely. But at the same time, we're just giving them ammunition, you know? like. Yeah, I'm not sure. Honestly, that's a point I really hadn't thought about. I think that when the gay marriage thing was passed, and obviously for people who are listening or maybe or may not, clearly sexuality and gender identity are two separate things, but we're all kind of a, lumped into a community together, mm -hmm. right? That I think when, when gay marriage passed, people started to panic and think that if you have this thing that I have, then the fact that I have it and you don't, then there's a hierarchy that's taken away, right? Okay. Even people that I knew that were allies of the queer community had no idea that you could be fired in more than 25 states, even in, at that point, for being gay, for being trans. I could have my boss legally say, mm -hmm. not in California, but mm -hmm. plenty of other places, I am not going to hire you or get out of my apartment if you decide to transition. So I don't know how things change other than being brought to the forefront. Fair enough. Well, but, I, but I hear what you're saying. This is kind of a touchy issue. The amount of folks that are on the sort of the sexuality spectrum, I think is huge. Yeah. I think it's huge. I think, I don't think it's 10%. I think it's like 20, 25, 30%. On sexuality. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, like, it sounds like a lot of men have sex with other men and don't consider themselves gay. I've heard that a lot. And I haven't my, seen that, but... I have heard about that ad nauseum. Working in, in my profession, yeah. yeah, there's bathhouses, the men, and they go on the weekends and they have sex with their men and they don't think of themselves as gay. So yeah. what is it? I have a friend who, when he was young, he specialized in married men. I think it's incredibly common. And I can understand why the gay rights thing is really important right it's really important well at it, what point are you gay officially then like if you how right. many times do you have to fuck another man right. to be gay <laughs> well right. the, but the, the other thing is like like you have to because if something comes out about somebody like in other words the chances of somebody's secret right getting out is much higher because there's much more of that happening so you have to the discrimination and the violence and the stuff could really occur right you know anyway so i guess my question is like what is your feeling of like how many people are trans in this country like, like i don't i haven't looked at any numbers but I, I feel like all the numbers are wrong. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're wrong. Well, of course, right? They're right. just wrong. So what do you think? Do you, is there a vast community of trans folks? Well, I think it's defining what trans is because I think that there is sort of a, an umbrella that you could call transgender issues. Right. And so who falls under that umbrella? Right. Right. There is the straight woman in Idaho, her gender expression 
could be really masculine. She wants to wear super short hair mm-hmm. and flannel shirts and and she could be considered under a trans umbrella because her gender expression doesn't fit. Then she might experience ex- discrimination. And she might experience discrimination. Then there are trans people who don't present like assigned female at birth identify as male, but don't Mm -hmm. have access to hormones, don't have access to surgery. And yet they are equally as valid a trans person, right? So so um, then there's people like me who have transitioned, who have been fortunate enough to be in a position where I have a job that has great health benefits. I have the support of, at this point, my spouse. Is that why the LGBTQ plus umbrella is so broad? I think so. Because there's so much, it's so spectrum-y. Yeah, and I think we're all fall victim to what we grew up with, that there's these categories and boxes that we put people in. And I think, especially even my kids' generation, they're just blowing that out of the water. They're saying it's a human experience and all of it exists and one's not better than the other. Right, you know? so about that, I hear a lot of teenagers coming out as trans. Yeah. Now, this is my bias. Yeah. So I'm- Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this, my bias is, is that when I was in high school, everyone was coming out as bisexual, especially the women, which is fine, but it felt like they were trying to be fashionable. Yeah. Like, look at me, I'm special. Now, my bias is, is that I feel like a lot of teenagers that say this are using it as a power play. Like, Possibly. Hey, now, that's my bias, yeah. and I don't know if I'm correct. I don't know, it's possible, I mean, I think it could also be that we as humans are need to be open to rethinking or being open to what what is the human experience at that age in their life. Maybe we actually all could potentially go through that to some extent. Mm-hmm. And that's a time when you're figuring lots of stuff out about yourself. The idea that it would be fashionable <laughs> to be trans and or safe enough to be fashionable to be trans is pretty cool. Is pretty cool. Yeah, um, true. But I hear you. I'm not really sure. I guess I'm gonna. I'm being controversial on purpose. Is that okay? No, of okay. course. So wouldn't expect anything lot, less of you. <laughs> there's a lot of specialness happening out sure. there, where people yeah. are like, like uh, there's some word for somebody who identifies as a certain age or as a certain animal or as a this or as a that. And I feel like so many people are sort of externalizing some sort of inner ego wound, and they're they're yeah. fixing that by announcing that they have this different identity, and I must be addressed as X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that feels that feels. Feels, that doesn't feel good to me. It feels like a cultural appropriation in an odd way. Yeah, you're, you're, that's that's interesting. I, as I'm not around a lot of younger people, right? except for my kid, but they're 23. Yeah, I'm open to thinking about that. There's a level of dangerousness for that. That's something that they can easily latch onto and say, oh, I identify as a dog, so I demand this, yeah. you know? And, and, it's and like, again, I don't know how pervasive it is. And I don't know if my own little rigid conservative in me is like seeing this thing and going, oh, what's this? Yeah. And fuck, man, they're teenagers. Teenagers do weird shit and they say strange things and they're trying to assert their identity and find out who they are. And for me, I, I didn't even have people that were, that was something for me to look to as an example to see myself, maybe these kids are seeing all of these different ways. Yeah, you had a really extreme experience as a child where you were really like no dresses, no nothing. Yeah. So you were really ferociously masculine male. It seems like yeah, it. Right? Yeah. And so with this whole movement, we've kind of given people permission to just figure out who they are. It's Is it possible then that we've ripped the lid off of something that's far more significant, and this is, I'm arguing with myself now mm-hmm. against my own bias, yeah. that the trans or the, the, as you were saying, the spectrum thing is enormous and we just don't know it. And that's why, because people are always like, the liberals are pushing this agenda. And it's like, I get that you can push agendas, but agendas don't work if they're not connecting to something real. You yeah. Know? And I wonder how big it is. I wonder, it's not measurable. 
Yeah. But I do wonder now if being I, I, this, the, the cis white male thing kind of bothers me. It's because it's everything's in its little stupid bucket. But if the cis white male and the cis white or the cis female thing is maybe what if it were the minority? That would be wild. Well, it actually is. It seems, especially around here, that that's the way it's kind of going, right? Well, in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area, for sure. Right. This is what's confusing to me. In my psychologies <laughs> there's ego shit and there's deeper self stuff the ego is your identity and i feel like i'm very suspect of people announcing anything when it feels like an ego thing yeah. is happening like and i'm a vegan i'm a right <laughs> right like fucking vegans man and you know the joke like how do you know if someone's vegan they'll they'll, they'll, they'll tell you they'll tell, they'll tell you they'll tell you they'll yeah. tell you but then there are people who are vegans who are just who don't talk about it there's this here's another way of putting it so in the Dao Jing, which is written by lao tzu two thousand years ago there's one of his little things is those who say do not know those who know do not say hmm. so i am inherently suspect of people who say on the other hand if they don't say and people are getting beaten up and don't have access to healthcare and are dying at an average age of 35 that they do need they need to speak up maybe maybe this is all not ego stuff maybe this is all real you know all of it i'm saying all the whole thing yeah well uh, and i think that there are clumsy steps on the way to perfection or whatever that is you <laughs> know that's a nice statement i like that yeah clumsy steps on the way to perfection that's yeah that's a that's a good quote i gotta write oh, that down i'll, well I'll done, let you have Flint. it um <laughs> I think about my wife and I were going through a hard patch and I was in, we were in some couples counseling and then I was in my own therapy about it. My therapist was talking about how my, as my wife tried to regain some control that she thought she had lost and that her regaining of her control was going to be clumsy. And actually that really allowed me to give her some space to be clumsy. Yeah, It really helped me to not take it personally that sometimes it's not a pretty process to stumble through something to yeah. get, to stumble towards the truth yeah i like um, that so maybe it's messy it's just a messy process for the times that are changing yeah. you know i wanted to just mention this one thing cuz i thought it was important that i used to know this guy in in the, the police department and we have these things called specialists right they're like uh, blue belts <laughs> they're specially trained in they have rifles they go to this intensive couple week training and so when there's like a massive incident like a shooter right we'll call the specialists in and they'll run in and they'll set their perimeter and do their gun thing and got mm -hmm. all their equipment right Ooh. and they're they're special they wear cross rifles on their chest mm -hmm. and they are special but they're very special in their own minds as well i'll just say that um <laughs> at one point our department decided you know what let's train everybody in these this gun thing like let's let everybody have these special longer weapons because they're better they're making it safer and this guy lost his mind because he thought he had achieved a level above everyone else oh. right and that if everyone else was going to now be able to carry these weapons he wasn't going to be at an elevated status oh geez that really that really kind of hit me when it comes to people who aren't queer with saying marriage equality like the sanctity of my marriage will be lessened if you also are able to be married oh i see right interesting or if you flint say that you're actually a man <laughs> you don't get to say that right because that's an elevated status and yeah. you don't just get to decide people cling to cling to power you know yeah they, they don't yeah right like, you know the, the quotes here so that i i remember this one that said when you have a level of privilege equality feels like oppression it's not untrue i mean you right? see all these white nationalists saying how we're they're being oppressed it's right. like you're kidding me yeah <laughs> you gotta be joking because <laughs> they have no but they have no idea 
they really don't know. That's the thing about privilege is that it's invisible. Well, and it's it's not based on actual real live genuine interactions with people that you think you're better than. I mean, I may be likable or not, but I think people have a perception of what is trans, what are drag queens, queens, yeah. what are this or that or the other thing, and it's based off most times not anyone that they've ever met in their life. It's based off of television, movies, and also the the the, the funny the other thing about really all discrimination is I think most people who discriminate is that they don't know that they hold anyone beneath them. Right. Even though they, they don't actually have any clue. It's like that I'm not racist because my, my, like my, my best friend is black. black or whatever it is. It's <laughs> right. like, I'm not a sexist because I'm married to a woman. <laughs> you know, she loves to cook. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> anyway, can, are you able to talk about your your experience with the police department? Yeah, sure, I can. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. Talk, walk us well, through Well, I mean, I came in the police department in 1995. I was presenting as female. I, like I said, I started my transition in 2000. Because I was presenting as very masculine, I think that I was able to kind of string along the process a little bit longer than I had to f officially say to the department, right. I'm a dude, right? Initially, there was definitely in 1995 a lot of prejudice against gay people in the police department. In my police academy, when you know they had the cultural awareness, people come in from all the different groups, from the African-American, the Asian groups, and then the gay group came in and was, you know, these are the issues facing the gay community. They would ask you a series of questions and you would write your answers down anonymously on a piece of paper and put it in, a, in the bucket and then they would read the answers. Some of the questions were, what would you do if your child's teacher were gay? What would you do if somebody of the same sex made a pass at you, etc.? And I was literally floored to the point of tears at what my classmates were saying. I would immediately remove my child from that classroom. I would, somebody made a pass at me that was the same sex. I would try to beat them up, kill them. And these are people that I'm sitting in a police academy class with that I am depending on for my life. It's been jammed down my throat that we're all family. And yet somehow it was acceptable for these young police recruits to be making these answers. And I was really floored by that. Going out to my stations, being perceived as female, as a dyke, there was room for me. There were other dykes that had been in the police department that had kind of paved the way. But then when it came time for me to transition, things changed quite a bit. In 2006, I officially kind of wrote a, a little letter to everybody in the men's locker room. And I said, you know, hey guys. Your, your people are busy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those are that. I think that's that an ambulance, or ambulance or something. That's ambulance. It was really time for me to switch locker rooms. Just like walking your stuff, unpacking your locker in the one locker room, and walking down the hall to the other locker, you know, the walk of the, the walk into the new locker room. I wrote a letter to all the guys and put it in their mailbox and was just like, hey guys, this is what's happening. Um, I'm just trying to kind of make light of it, but mm -hmm. just FYI, I'm in here and like we're all you know, questions or, you know, you can ask me. And there were some people that were, that were open mm -hmm. and nice, but there was a lot of shit going on behind my back. The main thing for me was, and I researched like, how much time do you give people to get the pronouns right? And uh -huh. to, and I, it was like three to six months. And I was like, oh, that's a long time, but I get it. People knew me at this point for maybe eight, nine years. Mm -hmm. I'll give people time, yeah. you know? And then seven years went by. Oh, geez. And by this point, I'm seven years into a hormonal transition. Right. <laughs> I'm a dude. Yeah. There's nothing girl about me. There's no lady parts left. There's nothing. <laughs> and um, the public's perceiving me as male. 
and had for many years. And I had my bosses, just like on TV, you know, you know, you go sit in the lineup room and call people's names. And I was always referred to as with female pronouns by mm -hmm. my bosses. I was called a female over the radio. I was asked to come search people's female prisoners. Oh, Jesus. Can you imagine me showing up to search it's a female like the, prisoner? Yeah. And it's like the jujitsu thing when they were looking at you slanty, but in the, You're right. you know, but the reverse of that. Again, um, you were out of place. It's like, just let this person be with his people, you know? Yeah. One thing that really started get to me is I started to not feel safe in my own station. And then new guys who never knew me before, never had any inkling, never had seen me before, came into the police department, would have no reason to look at me and mm -hmm. think they all called me she. Oh, Jesus. Really? So what, the new people? Did the new people. Just to be idiots or just well, because they didn't they were just told us. Well, I mean, it's like I said, it's a salacious bit of information right. to let everybody know that that I am trans. To have guys like young poo-butt police officers calling me she in public to the public and doing crappy shit like running full force to go open my door for me. Oh my God. <laughs> That's, I once, I got in this debate with a woman <laughs> who didn't like the fact that men open doors for her because she she called it benevolent sexism and i kind of took issue i was like look it's a big dance but with that for you that's i mean i open doors for my wife my wife wants I, me to I know, open doors but it sounds it, with a, it was purposeful but, but i know but what i'm saying is this the story that you're telling yes. me here like that is so clearly fucked up yeah like and i don't even have the language to even I, I, it's express like what are you that, doing like why what is going on here eventually um <laughs> i went into a situation where i had to chase somebody down in, in a police job and i was getting in a fight with them uh -huh. and called for backup. Some guys came, helped me out. I'm in a dangerous situation. These same young officers outed me to this person on the street. What? And called me she to him multiple times. And as we're transporting the subject back to the station, repeatedly in the police car referred to me as she. And when we got back to the station, I, I got a hold of this young cop and I said, don't you ever fucking say that to me again. Mm -hmm. I said, do you call other men she? Do you open the door for other men? Right. And I said, I mean, I don't, start fights i mean i'm just don't i mean i like yeah. to fight at jujitsu but and i said if you can't pull your shit together you and i are going to have a man-to-man -man conversation in the parking lot okay <laughs> and he is a lot bigger than me but i didn't care i was ready to scrap i well, was ready to fight i mean is, i was he doesn't have a blue a, a black belt <laughs> i don't know in the deadliest you know, martial art that has ever right. existed <laughs> um but i'd had it and then and then several more things happened to the point where i went finally i went to the bosses and i was like you guys i need help and and uh, nothing changed and you sued the fuck out of them didn't and you well I, I did that time, ended up getting, I, not related to that, but I got promoted to sergeant, moved to another station, and mm -hmm. I thought, woo, this is going to be great. New station, new mm -hmm. set of people, mm -hmm. and my first day there, oh man, I had a series of three different lieutenants um, repeatedly refer to me with the wrong pronouns. Mm -hmm. They were admonished by other people to stop, and they just wouldn't stop. Mm -hmm. One boss at one point I was in his office and I said, you know, hey, can I use your fax machine? And he said, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I, I have countless examples that I don't necessarily, I, I just, it's outrageous. Got to the point where I didn't want to come to work anymore. Ended up, we sued. We actually, we didn't sue. We settled before it was yeah. went to court. Do you think that when people are doing that, that it's in a, were they engaged in a pretty aggressive act, like a kind of a, like a henpecking thing? I think that it's a combination of things. There are people who won't. If there's some men, especially, that do call me he, do acknowledge my name, then they have submitted themselves to saying that I'm a man, that they've made that agreement. And I don't think there's men that can do that, even though they're the policies, the laws, procedures, the common 
human decency mm -hmm. is at play that they just won't do it it's like they're su they're submitting to an ideology yeah by saying that yeah they're I admitting see. or they're acknowledging that that i'm a dude or right. that, that that exists you know and i was thinking about something else I, even my ex was like i've known you the whole time as this name and and i just i can't i can't do it and I'm thinking, you know, like I think about like straight women when they get married and how they're going to change their last name. Sure. Everybody's just so excited to call them by the new name. Oh, Mrs. So-and-so, right? Or their mom is like yeah. happy to call them that so with weird. a new name that because so it's a celebration. So they're able to embrace it, right? Yeah. And those kinds of things when people say, I just can't do it. I can't figure it out. Like, like yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can. It's <laughs> you, a choice. You can do it. <laughs> Even with my own kid. My own kid, I'm trying to call them they. Uh -huh. Part of it is almost would be easier if, if it was to say he because... Right. We're so conditioned to say he or she. Yeah. We're not used to saying, calling people they. But I tell you what, I do my damnedest. I have a, like I had a, a patient and I was struggling with the pronoun thing. It's not easy, man. It's not. Like, like, well, I just want to say that to people who are struggling with it, keep trying. And if you care, try keep trying. Is there, are there any techniques? like? I mean, draw experience from another time when your life, when you've had to do something like that. For instance, not that pronoun change is the same as a promotion, but I have people I worked with that went from officer to sergeant to lieutenant to captain, and I sure as hell would be not be calling captain so-and-so officer. Granted, gender is much more intrinsically connected to you than your rank as in the police department. Right, right. But I would say, one, keep trying. Try to find a technique. It sounds like if people are struggling, that they do care enough. And secondly, it's really devastating as a trans person to be misgendered. Can you talk about yeah. that? It really, for me and other people, it affects them differently. It's like, it's like a knife to my, really, to my chest. Say more. Yeah. What's yeah. It <laughs> like, I, I've struggled to be able to be seen as my authentic self. Mm -hmm. And I know that's cliche, sure, but it's real. Right. Yeah, Like you want to be seen for who you are. I want to be seen. My whole life, I haven't been seen. My whole life, I've been, most of my life, I've been, there's been no place for me. I didn't fit in anywhere. And as I've kind of grown into my boots, as just a basic human being, being misgendered, really, I, I'm not sure. I have to think more about a better way to describe it. It's it's just a kick in the gut. Yeah. It says to me that you don't see me as a man, that, you, that my existence isn't valid, that the life that I've tried to build for myself as an adult person, it reminds me that you don't see me as a man. And not that my identity is contingent upon someone else's opinion of me or validation of me but we're we're a, we're a tribe you know like you said it's a, it invalidates your existence and on top of that it's saying so much about the speaker yeah and suddenly you know that you're in conversation with someone who may be a complete fucking asshole or just stupid or that i want their approval or respect like people at jujitsu sometimes they'll misgender me really and still there's been a couple times no way um i, yeah. I can't believe that after even all? even while I was using me uh, or talking about me like we're in black belt line. Really? It would be like, oh, and, you know, introducing people. I'm not talking about Papa Frank because he doesn't do it, but introducing people. And, you know, and there's Popo. And when she was back at the academy. Oh, whoops. And I'm just like. I think the other thing that must hurt is that, like, when the person does that, it must be a big question. Like, is this person making a mistake? Are they being intentionally disrespectful? It, it just must be an incredibly dysregulating yeah. moment is what I mean to say. Is that correct? Yeah. And it's hard because then I'm like, well, can I trust the relationship that I do have with this person. And, and I'm sure that the person 
and the people that have done it, most of them aren't doing it maliciously, but it's like a bell that can't be unrung. Oh God, right? Yes. You know, even like for me as a person who I just moved to a new neighborhood, we were moving, we appear to be a heteronormative white couple moving into a neighborhood. Which you kind of are. Which I kind of am, but at the same time, I didn't come from being somebody assigned female at birth to being a lesbian and then to, now I'm a straight dude. Those are just arbitrary boxes you to are, fit in. You are who you are. I am who I am and I am queer. I don't consider myself a straight man, though I'm in a relationship with a woman. Mm -hmm. And because to me, that's not who I am. And so it's like, are you going to be found out? What is it about being found out? Like found out for what? That I'm not a straight white man? And in, in, in finding that out, do then I drop a peg in society? You know what's interesting also <laughs> is that like the amount of skeletons that people have in their closet yeah. psychologically are so egregious that... It's all fake anyway. It, it, well, I mean, like your you know, hormonal and a physical move toward change as a thing that's held in the past, it pales in comparison to the shit people hold internally. Yeah. Human beings are incredibly fucking complex and fluid and their unconscious existence flows out of them, emanates out of them in waves. And the fact that we get so hung up on, this is small to me, psychologically. I mean, I know it's big, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I'm saying it's, it's the same in our internal world. We're all going through hurricanes of right. insanity and transformation and everyone is doing it all the time, everywhere. And why the fuck do you discriminate or focus on or get all wound up about this person's internal hurricane versus that person's internal hurricane? Just like, let them the fuck alone. Yeah. And that would be amazing. And the, the, the problem is, is that queer people and mostly at this point trans people are not just seen as there there's violence perpetuated yeah. real violence and that's the thing is that the prevailing view among the right is that it's being pushed on them it's like no the only reason they're asserting themselves is because they're getting this shit kicked out of them yeah it's a real thing yeah you know what i'm saying it's like oh racism they're they're making race an issue because this blah, blah. it's like they're making race an issue because it's an issue not, it's a fucking issue it's a fucking issue <laughs> anyway i could go on for hours on that i have a few oh, other yeah. questions yeah um what is it like wondering if other people know that's a good question um i'm still figuring that out it's a little scary like i think like uh, our shared experience is jujitsu right because mm -hmm. most people at my job know just because I, I have a past there and most of the people that i've known my whole life know so mm -hmm. but there are people that that don't know and i'm assuming some people at jujitsu mm -hmm. um I always usually teach the beginners class on Saturdays. And so I, all the new white belts come over and hang out with me. And, mm -hmm. and in my mind, I'm like, do they know? If they did, what would that mean? And I guess I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And I become more comfortable with myself. It becomes less important. Um, and I haven't, knock on wood, really had any violence perpetuated against me. Um, and in that context, I'm not sure that I would unless it was somebody who was like a lot more experienced and heavier than me that wanted to hurt me. Yeah, but also, I mean, fucking with a black belt in jujitsu is a death sentence. <laughs> but I mean, there's plenty of black belts that could like really hurt me. Yeah, but we're, we're very defensive of each other. Yeah. Like, you know. The... Yeah, true. So, I mean, let's just say the new neighbors in the neighborhood, right? Like when somebody finds out that I'm not as they thought I was, the box that they had put me in. When I'm in that box, I have all of the rights and authorities and all of those things are level of respect that comes with people being perceived as being in that box, right? Mm -hmm. I'm afforded a certain amount of respect. When someone finds out that I'm trans, I am no longer 
afforded all of those things. I am objectified and I am solely trans. My character, my, my heart, those things are real second. Those are on the back burner now. Whatever people's, you know, perceptions of what that means is what my entire existence is filtered through then. And so that's hard. And that's why I'm like, I want to tell people I'm trans because it's an important part of who I am. And at the same time, I'm scared. Yeah. Uh, what do you think others want to know about you but are afraid to ask? I'll be just completely honest. Mm -hmm. What do people wonder about trans people? They want to know what, what junk you have. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. That's a salacious thing people want to know. Yeah, they do. Um, because that's what we all kind of go to. We think that trans people are solely the physical change of you either have a dick or a vagina or you want one or yeah. the other. Everyone is so preoccupied with, <laughs> sure. with genitalia. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So if you had an accident tomorrow and your dick got blown off in an <laughs> IED that you happened to roll down Sacramento Street, right? right. And you lost your penis, uh -huh. would you become a woman? Fair that yeah I, probably not I, you got me <laughs> you know so it's not just about genitalia but yeah i think people want to know i've gotten really comfortable to there's times in the locker room now where i'm just like you know what fuck it drop trowel right uh -huh. there you want to see what i got mm -hmm. you see it you mm -hmm. can either and if you look i caught you looking you know i mean i've i'm not ashamed to say it i've i've had probably 22 surgeries um because of complications i'm as happy as i probably can be with what i got mm-hmm like I've, I've talked to other men about it and it's like, I wish my dick could look a little different. I wish it could be a little bigger or this or that, or I have all those things too, you mm -hmm. know, but, um, what I have works and I'm very fortunate. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's a hell of an answer, Flint. <laughs> well, no, it's funny. Cause I remember these two guys in the police department when I told them I was going to transition and I was friends with them. And you know, of course their questions, cause we were real, we were close. We're like, mm. Oh dude, are you going to get a dick? Right. <laughs> Oh God! Right? There's Kurt's joke. You know, Kurt's was that joke? Kurt's joke? No, Kurt's joke is uh, he didn't say that about you, but getting an adedictomy. <laughs> you never. Heard that? Oh no, that's pretty good. That's, very that's good. pretty good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So I told them, yeah, I would get an adedictomy, but and this was many, many years ago. And I said, but at the time, you know, the options aren't the greatest. And I yeah. said. You know, I'm not really sure because um, I said if I had the option of just going and getting a surgery that would give me a really great, wonderful penis, I would. Mm -hmm. And my friend's saying, it was a guy, he was like, yeah, so would I. Right. <laughs> right? So would I. Fair point. So, There's a lot of weird um, penises. So what there. else? I, I think people want to know about what you have. But realistically, you have to kind of ask yourself, is that an appropriate question to ask of anyone? No. No, it's not. So, and that's when it becomes air objectified and you become something to ask those kinds of questions to. I'm even feeling weird about even having this conversation with you about it. But I, I'm the one that actually said that's the thing that I think people wonder yeah. about. And I did send you these questions a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, what else do people want to know but are afraid to ask? Yeah. I think people think sexuality is really 100% tied to your gender. Does that mean like if I was gay before, now I'm gay, right? Like if I was attracted to women before, you were gay. Now you're not gay. Or now, now that I am male-bodied right. presenting, right. does that mean that I'm still gay and I like men? I think people have those questions. Oh, really? Yeah. Like oh, I. Oh, it's very strange. I know a trans woman who was married to a woman as a as okay. a man at, pre, before she transitioned. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just make sure. So, trans woman means she she was a he. Yes. Transferred to a she. Yes. And then married a woman. Let's just say this. This person was assigned male at birth. Okay. Grew up, got married to a woman, mm -hmm. is attracted to women, uh -huh. 
had children, realized that she was actually a he. A he. Okay. Excuse me. That he was actually a she. That he was actually a she. I'm so right. sorry. <sighs> it's, no, it's fine. Okay. So he was assigned male at birth, attracted to women, mm-hmm. had children, realized that they could no longer live that experience, decided I'm going to transition to a woman. I've always wanted to be a woman. Mm-hmm. I've been a woman. It's not like I was a dude and now I'm not. I've mm-hmm. always been. And is now has had surgery, has had hormones, presents as female. I think people's assumption then would be that she is attracted to men. But your yep. sexuality doesn't necessarily change because right. you know she is still attracted to women. Right. 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 So now by default is a lesbian. That's so right? weird. Okay. And what I'm saying is just because you I change my body. I don't mean to say that that, that she is weird. No, she's I'm not weird, but it's the, interesting. The thinking pattern is just Sure. Like, yeah. But I mean uh, you know you who you're attracted to doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily change just because Mm-hmm. You like they say, you know, your gender identity is who you go to bed as, and your sexuality is who do you go to bed with. Do you think they have questions about your children? Oh, whether they're my biolo- biological, yeah, yeah. People, people will say with my oldest, Devin, they'll say, "Oh, did you have them?" And <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, no, actually, no. That that's completely foreign to me and would never." But there are trans people who, prior to transition, I, did have children. Yeah, from the time I was old enough to ask my mom about a penis, I was old enough to say, I want a hysterectomy. I want anything oh, female. You've had, you've had a hysterectomy as well? I've, there's nothing left in me that's, okay. yeah. There's, I've I'm, made no assumptions. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean I'm happy. I, I'm like, I'm very fortunate. Uh-huh. I have had full, I am right. 100% dude. And so even like with Finley, right? I think people who are completely clueless think, oh, well, now you have a dick. I guess you can make babies. Like people are that clueless. Wow right yeah that's amazing um how did you pick your name i had lots of names that i liked Mm -hmm. but you know as an adult you meet so many people that you're like fuck, i can't take the name kurt right i like the name kurt (laughs) yeah but i can't be called myself kurt or i actually really liked luke i really liked luke we have a kurt and we have have a luke Luke, and there's no (laughs) way i could just change my name to luke so um i started looking up names yeah i started looking up names my background is german and norwegian and i just started looking up names kind of you know associated with that thinking that was kind of a connection i had to Mm -hmm. and the name flint popped out at me and Mm -hmm. i thought man i I don't know that I've ever even heard that name except for like it's a cool name. my man Flint or you know or whatever that was a show a long What's time this, ago. One of the most masculine names. It's like Flint. pretty masculine, yeah. Yeah, like chop like something was <laughs> cleave like it's yeah. Yeah, it's, like a rock, you know, yeah. like it starts a fire. So yeah. people aren't used to hearing it. So when I'm at Starbucks and I say what they say, what's your name? I'm like Flint. They're like, what? I want to make a note that I'm not asking you for your old name because I don't yeah. even want it in the ether. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually, it's hard for me to say. It's not that I'm ashamed. It's, you know, I, I'm going to say one more thing, and I'm probably putting too much out there, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. I feel very... I remember when I had my breast removed, and I was so excited to have it happen. It was like such a big relief. I was just so excited. I remember almost feeling sorry for them. Like, they didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> so interesting. Like, they they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, 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 I though I hated them, it's just it's a part of my past sure and, and like that name is you know that name was picked with love by my parents i was lovingly called that name by my grandparents in my past as being perceived by the world and the world as female shaped who i am today i would not be who i am if i was assigned male at birth i would probably not be in this chair well i certainly wouldn't i might not even be in california 
I got a, a little a question I, I wasn't going to ask, but I'm going to ask it. Yeah. What is your position on teenagers or people even younger than like 13, 14 getting either going on hormones or even getting surgery? So what I think is I actually think that the doctors don't do surgeries before a certain age. And I think that's a misconception. I think that something called like hormone blockers that delay your, because I think that the worry is that kids at that age don't know fully. I would challenge that because I was a kid at that age. Okay. Um, yes, kids are wishy-washy and there is a new generation that we've talked about that, you know, maybe exploring things that they want to try out and maybe they, you know, so I get that there's generationally things different. I know for myself, having gone through a puberty in the wrong body was extremely devastating. My body betrayed me in ways that I probably still am recovering from. And are impossible to articulate. Yes. The language um, fails. The fails. Language fails. Yeah. And to give a kid an opportunity who's experiencing that, to give them time to sort those things out is, I think, the greatest gift that a parent could allow a child to go through under a doctor's care. Now, this is only my own experience. And I know other parents who have reached out to me that I never thought would have, who have like, dude, I have this trans, my kid is saying all these things, I don't know what to do. And I, I, I want the best for them. And I'm like, first of all, you're doing the right thing by one, number one, just reaching out to me. Like, I wish I, my mom had done that, but she didn't know any different. Listening, the fact that most trans people know this when they're old enough to know when you are, there are differences between males and females. That's when you know. Okay. You know, kids know. And so I think allowing kids to, to explore those things because, you know, people say it's not a choice, right? Like, why would you choose that? Because it's, you know, of course it's not a choice because it's so, you, you face so much discrimination, but that is true, right? Like, why would you put yourself in that position short of wanting attention when there may be a few people that want it? You know, I, I thought about something yesterday that really kind of hit me and I just wanted to, to say it, that transitioning is a choice. Being gay and choosing to sleep with people or to have relationships with people that you're attracted to is a choice. You can choose not to. There's lots of things that are choices. Breathing is one of them. I can choose right now to hold my breath and choose not to breathe. Until you pass out. But I'm going to die. And I'm telling you, man, not living your authentic self is like dying. And I would have died a spiritual death if I didn't do this. And if you want to take a minute and go down a rabbit hole, look under how many trans people and trans youth attempt to suicide multiple times and actually take their lives. The proportion versus non-trans people is staggering. I think it's like 40%. When folks uh, you know, try to harm themselves, sometimes right. they don't. They're not as aggressive as someone who's really determined. Like someone who's really determined will like put a gun to their head or jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. Whereas someone who's kind of like, you know, they might slit their wrists or yeah. do something that's, uh, or take a pill, a bunch of pills that's a little less aggressive. Is that what you're saying? Well, I guess what I'm saying is the suicide rate, whether it's successful or not, among trans people is very disproportionate to the rest of the world. And so I guess what I'm saying is making a choice to not live your authentic self, again, as cliche as that sounds, is like choosing not to breathe. And you will die. You will die. Whether you die as a human, 
you for literally or figuratively die. And I know that's true. I know that's true. I don't have any qualms about saying that. Those are powerful words. Is there anything else you'd like to say to anyone out there who's in a state of questioning or in a state of pain around this issue? There's a lot of support, it seems like, that's out there that's available online in lots of ways that wasn't available for me and my old ass self at this point. It's, it is available to me and I do utilize it and I've gotten a lot from it. We have been here since the beginning of time. We have been celebrated in ways in different cultures for the magnificent, wonderful people that we are, that we are very special people that can offer our life experience of carrying a lot of different energies, both masculine and feminine in ways that others can't, and that, that, um, that you're very special. Know that, and then that, that that's just the, the, the truth, and to get support. All right, well, listen, uh, thank you so much. That yeah, was thank really you. fabulous. I feel really privileged to have Me too. spoken I, to you. Thank you. Uh, this is a really unique interview. I've never done anything like this. So I feel really honored. So thank well, you so thank much. You, man. I appreciate and I will it. see you on the mats. Yeah. All, All right. right. Thank you for listening. As always, pertinent information pertaining to this podcast will appear in the program notes. And if you would like to become a Patreon member, the link is there as well. And if you have any questions or would like to be a guest on my show, you can email me at benjaminrusick at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time.